Well, 2 Corinthians 5 is going to be the focus of our passage tonight and moving on into chapter 6. So if you've got your hard copy Bibles open there, you might like to open it to 2 Corinthians 5, otherwise it'll be projected up onto the screen. I've got my hard copy here because me and computers don't have a great relationship and sometimes when I depend on them, they let me down. Oh, just before I pray, just a disclaimer about the Bra Boys movie. It's not really a family movie. Um, I, I think it's got an MA rating, so... That's not because of the things you do. No. <laughs> <laughs> OK. 2 Corinthians 5 to 6-2. Heavenly Father, we pray that I would preach your word truthfully, clearly and passionately and that your Holy Spirit would not only work through me as I preach, but work in the hearts of all who are here tonight listening to this, this word, and also those online. Heavenly Father, please, may we be transformed into greater depth of, of Christ-like character and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what I'm going to do is read out the passage first and then I'm going to walk through it with you. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, the same church that uh, is behind the 1 Corinthians letter that Jody's walking us through. So this is 2 Corinthians a little bit later on. Verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So... We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we now know him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Some time ago, around 30 local people from the Kiama community gathered in Kiama Library for a public meeting. We were there to discuss the profound issue of having a good death. Most of the participants were not Christians. With all seriousness, some said, I want a good death, or how do I have a good death? The group discussed having a good funeral, having a good Thanksgiving, having a good celebration after we had died. One person, not a Christian, urged that we live well before we die, that we contribute to the well-being of our family, our friends, our community, and to the world around us. The thought formed in my mind, a good gospel life precedes a good death. A good gospel life leads us to breathe our last, knowing that because Christ lives, we too will live the resurrection life into eternity. May we breathe our last breath, knowing that however imperfectly we have lived for Christ and by his grace made a loving kingdom of God difference in this fallen world. A good gospel life precedes a good death. The Bible passage that I've read, we're going to walk through this evening And it helps to clarify what it means to live a good gospel life. So we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 10. That verse raises a sobering truth. It says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. 
we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. There will be a time when every one of us will be accountable before the Lord Jesus Christ. Held accountable, as the verse says, for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. The point of this is that Christ died for us. We are now called to live for him. And so, this side of the grave, we lovingly and soberly put our faith into action, living a good gospel life. A good gospel life precedes a good death. The next verse, the first half, verse 11a, speaks about the closer we are to death, the higher the motivation. Living a good gospel life involves our relationships, our connections with other people. We know that because of what Jesus has done for us, we are going to heaven. Do you believe that? gentle nods. We want others to go to heaven as well, don't we? Family, friends, neighbours, workmates, fellow sports people. Yeah? Do you want other people to go to heaven? You're going to heaven. Do you want your family and friends and so forth to go to heaven? I do. As verse 11 says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. So this good gospel life is not just for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of others. So verse 11 raises this point of persuasion. We work hard to persuade others. question arises, how do we try to persuade others? Well, as Paul continues, we start to understand that how we try to persuade others is integral to the gospel we live by. How do we try to persuade others? Well, love in action, speaking the gospel and integrity. We live the gospel, the good news of Jesus, with integrity In verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul explains what integrity involves. He says, God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us, so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Our integrity is plain to God, to the church, and to those around us. There's to be no fakeness, no self-glorifying, but rather hearts that love God and love others. One of the big reasons that our church has a safe ministry practice and that those of us in any position of leadership, whether it be paid or honorary or voluntary, 
we have to be screened to make sure we've got no misdemeanors uh, against us. We've got to go through uh, ongoing safe ministry training. Why? Because our church wants people in leadership to be people of integrity. One of the accusations that's made against the church is that we've got pedophiles and all sorts of people and the church does nothing about them as far as removing them from leadership. And so integrity is seen by the world and it's seen by the church, it's seen by God. And I think in verses 11 and 12, that's what Paul is explaining, the sincerity of us, our integrity. Our integrity influences our efforts to persuade others of the gospel. We live for God, we live for others, even when it means being ridiculed. Verse 13 goes on to say, If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. People around us ridicule Christians in our message. One of the accusations I've had against me in the last few weeks has been, oh, you just believe in fairy tales. You're an idiot. Jesus didn't even exist. That's the sort of opposition to expect from people not just in the adult world, but in children's world as well. People around us ridicule Christians in our message. So we expect such opposition. And what do we do? Do we run away? Do we go quiet? No. We stand firm and live the gospel life with integrity, with resilience in the face of opposition. A really powerful way to stand firm and live the gospel life is with the mutual support and encouraging teamwork of the growth group you belong to. Or if you're in school, your youth group that Brad and the team leads. Or the children's ministry. But for those of us who are adults, growth groups are the way to go. Did you catch what Jody's been trying to communicate to us the last few weeks about swimming between the flags? If you want the best pastoral care in the life of this church, go to a growth group. We'll do our best to reach out and provide pastoral care to, to those outside the growth groups, but it's the same with being Christ's ambassador. If you want the best support, if you want help in standing firm as an ambassador for Christ... Share that with your growth group. Talk about it together in your growth group. Pray about it together. Growth groups are a great mutual encouragement and support. Teamwork is great. Well, as we live the gospel life with love, verses 14 and 15 affirm, either way, that is, whether in a right mind or whether people think we're crazy, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. 
He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. We who have faith in Christ are transformed people. People that God is compelling, controlling, moving, motivating by his love. God's at work in us through his spirit, expressed lovingly, compelled by Christ's love. We have a new perspective on the people he has connected us with. Verses 16 and 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I'm not the same person I used to be before I put my faith in Christ. I'm a different person. I'm a better person. Not because of self-improvement, but because God's working in my life to make me more Christ-like. I don't deserve it. But here I am. This side of the grave, we have a taste of the new life the new creation. We're not the same people we used to be. We are better. We're in a better relationship with God. We see other people in a better way. As precious to God. You know, one of the threats to our integrity is hanging on to our old self. So, for example, if our old self was selfish, then one of the temptations is, as a Christian, to keep a selfish attitude, such as in use of money, use of time. Um, If in the past we've had a, a bullying type of character, then sometimes Christians will take that bully type of character into their relationships as a Christian and and you can see it in the way that people drive uh, people do business Um, sadly even church leaders have been bullies and it's something we've got to watch out for because sin's always crouching in our door but it says back in, in Genesis we need to master it just Don't let sin prevail over you. Which includes the way we see other people. See them the way God sees them. They're precious. I don't mean that in a trite way. I mean Christ died for them. Treat them with love and respect. Christ died for us. Christ died for other people. God loves us 
and he loves other people in this world, even people that seem unlovable. All this is a taste of heaven right here, right now. Verses 18 and 19 go on to speak of God having reconciled us. Paul writes in verse 18 and 19, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Once we opposed God, but now we're at peace with God, our Heavenly Father. This is reconciliation. Through Christ, God the Father has reconciled us to himself. This peace is not only for us. This reconciliation is also for other people that God has connected us with. As verse 19 says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You know, some people see the world as the enemy. Well, in a way that's true, but also the world is the mission field. Verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Verse 19 goes on to embrace you and me into this process of reconciliation, saying, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The gospel is like a baton in a relay race. Like runners in a relay, God has passed the baton. The message of reconciliation is the good news of the crucified and risen Jesus, the gospel. This gospel was first entrusted to the apostles, which was entrusted to the early church, which was entrusted to the church throughout the ages and is now entrusted to us in this age and will be entrusted to the future generations. Having been entrusted with this message of reconciliation, we have a high calling. Verses 20 and 21. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Whatever your self-image, we are Christ's ambassadors.
Are you a retiree? You're Christ's ambassador. Are you still in the workforce, working up in Wollongong? You're Christ's ambassador. Are you a musician? You're Christ's ambassador. Are you a 12-year-old in our children's and youth ministry? You're Christ's ambassador. Whatever your self-image, we are Christ's ambassadors, meaning that we represent Christ, we live for Christ with love, resilience and integrity. We communicate his gospel. We are Christ's ambassadors. But time is short. If you are 12, please don't wait till you're 24 before you decide, well, I'm going to live for Christ. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Our time is short. We are closer to physical death than we have ever been. It's a sobering thought. Their time is short. The men, women and children that God has connected us with, to whom we represent Christ. Did I mention to you that I was at the funeral of a 13-year-old local rugby league player? A young Christian guy from Shell Harbour Stingrays suddenly died after training a couple of weeks ago. And there was a massive funeral for him in Kayama Pavilion. Christian funeral. Just because you're 13 and fit doesn't mean to say that you've got a long life ahead of you. As chapter 6, verse 2 says, indeed the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. As brothers and sisters in Christ, can can I beg you not to delay the decision to live as Christ's ambassador. Why? for the good of others, that they can come to heaven as well. A good gospel life is the best way to live this brief life among our family and our friends and our neighbours. Well, you're invited to be affirmed and sharpened as Christ's ambassadors. There's a whole lot of training you can do in this, but there's a simple gathering we're going to have 7 to 9pm, Tuesday the 25th of July, here at our Jamboree Church Hall. What's going to happen is that you're going to be asked to identify who God has connected you with. You're going to be affirmed and further equipped to serve as Christ's ambassadors to these very people. And you'll be equipped to live this closing prayer. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we are present with those you have connected us with, may we be pastorally caring, loving our neighbours as ourselves, listening to them, affirming that which is good in what they say and do, providing and referring appropriate help. May we be prayerful, praying for and with them. May we proclaim your gospel of the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, lovingly speaking in a biblically informed way. And may we be always aware that we are Christ's ambassadors to these precious people, you, Lord God, making your appeal through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.